Aloha, and welcome to Candid Conversations. Our guest today is Ed Wallace. He's coming to us from the sunny east coast of the United States. Hi there, Ed. Aloha, Ron. And that's not fair, okay? That is not fair at all. Uh, it is 60 degrees on the east coast today. So we are, we're not approaching Hawaii territory, uh, but we never could. But great to be with you and your audience. Thanks, Ed. Spring has sprung, hasn't it? Um, yes. You know, even though you've been up on our blog with several uh, really cogent points, maybe you could give everybody a thumbnail sketch about who you are and, and what you've done. You know, I can't talk about myself in a thumbnail, Ron, uh, mm-hmm. but I'll try. Just kidding. Uh, well, I'll take you back to my education. I'm a CPA, and I always like to say that I'm in recovery. Uh, part of that process was to go into sales. So I spent many years as VP of sales of a software company. And then in 2006, I decided to uh, form my own company. And it was called the Relational Capital Group at the time. And uh, we started helping sales teams build better business relationships. And over the last 15 years, we've worked with Dow Chemicals, uh, several uh, companies that are part of the AED, including the AED. I'm on the faculty of the AED. And uh, it's really been great. And we've evolved just like sales teams need to evolve. We've evolved now to helping companies with virtual relationships uh, because I think we're going to be in a hybrid state for a while. So that's what we've been up to. It's um, it's sure a different world today for salesmen, isn't it? Uh, it, it, you know, we're working in rectangles. I never thought I'd be working in a rectangle, Ron. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm delivering sales training, so it's certainly a different world. Yeah, you know, my daughter's a teacher, and as you know, I teach. And and virtual learning has really, I think, it's changing education. And what we've gone through the last fifteen months is probably changing almost every aspect of business. It's uh, it's rather remarkable. How the heck does a salesman sell something? when they can't go face to face. Well, let me first compliment you on this, the shift you've made because you're a front of the room guy, just like I'm a front of the room guy. I've, I've been with you at sales conferences and I've watched you train and I've, I've seen you adapt not only your style, but your business. And I think it's the same thing that business owners and sales teams need to really consider. Because the buyers are changing and they may not change back to what we, what we thought was normal. The buying process is changing. And you're, I, I think when we come out of this, you're still going to have some buyers, some customers, whatever we call them, who are saying, hey, I like seeing you in the box. So let's meet in the box for half an hour. And and that and that's why there's never been a better time to and the other thing that does is it creates a level playing field with your competitors because you had the relationship you're walking into the plant or the facility or the dealership wherever you're walking into and now all of a sudden that's been taken away and now a a simple Zoom invite can get your customer on with the competitor so we need to work on our virtual muscles now more than ever. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. The, um, the you know, it's it's interesting. The um, We've got the website out and we started a blog. I started posting blogs maybe 10 or 15 years ago, but in the, on our website, we've done it seriously for maybe three years. And 
with Google Analytics, you can start tracking all manner of things. And as you know, we work around the world. So whether it's Europe or Asia or South America, Russia, Middle East, wherever it is, and that's all free this way, as opposed to beating your body up, sitting in a plane, going through X number of time zones and, you know, standing up in front of a crowd after you've spent that amount of time. I mean, it, it wears the heck out of you. So yeah, you have to, you have to do that. And we're not getting younger. Now don't, well, don't, don't yourself. Right? I, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> but what really becomes interesting to me though, is there's a shift, an age shift. 20 to 45-year-olds and 45 to 75-year-olds. The 45, and what's interesting on our Google Analytics, we have as many people under 45 following us actually a bit more than the over 45, meaning that the younger crowd are resonating more to this environment. An older salesman, a 60-year-old salesman, this is, this is tough duty. This is a hard change. If you're 30 years old, nah, it's easy. You know, so... How how do you find that shift in the demographics? Are you noticing that? Ron, we're seeing the same exact thing. Uh, if, if we think about it, millennials are in the, the older millennials are in their early 40s. They are becoming the decision makers at our customers. And, and we've got to adapt to the way they want to buy. They're very comfortable working remotely. They're very comfortable working electronically, digitally, however you want to say it. So how do we adapt to that? And we're still going to have our customers who want to meet with us, who still have their sales meetings, who still want to get together and have lunch or golf or those kind of things. I don't think that's going to go away, but I think that's going to be lessened. We have one customer um, and they they saw this coming. Now they are in a different industry than, than, than the industry we're talking to now, your industry, the equipment deal, equipment and all, heavy equipment and everything. They're laboratory products. And the, the owner of this business has had 18 salespeople. He immediately shifted everyone into their homes and he actually set up backgrounds for them with their, with the laboratory equipment and a little bit of a logo, not an oversell too much. So there's a standardization when someone's talking to his sales rep about his brand. Brilliant. Here's his results in 2020. Okay. He, he, he does 24 million a year, not a big company. He used to spend almost $2 million a year on travel expenses. In 2020, he spent $20,000. His top line stayed the same. So think about his bottom line. So not only are the buyers adapting, but our, our, the business owners and the people that run sales teams are saying, wow, you know what? Do I really need to send somebody out in a car to do one meeting today in Wyoming when they can make they can do five meetings at home? Yeah. So that that's what we're seeing. Pretty much the same thing. And we're seeing more millennial buyers and that's the way they want to work. So, uh, yeah, never the, the new term I'm sure you heard is hybrid rep. We've got to build hybrid muscles because we're going to have to pivot in both directions. We used the word shift earlier, pivot, whatever you want to use, whatever verb you like. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the. We've spent over my generation, I, I left school in 1968, so 52 years or so. And in that period of time, I can't begin to guess how many trillions of dollars we spent on technology, mm -hmm. but we spent hardly anything on sociology. 
So here comes this pandemic. And were it not for technology, Zoom, for instance, or Microsoft Teams or other things, I don't want to pick on any one brand, we'd be dead. But as a result of these tools, sociologically, we're changing this hybrid term, working from home. Now, the older generation owners are having a really hard time. They can't see the employee. They're not sure they're working hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's an heck, we can have more control with this on what people do than in any other aspect. But it, it brings up an interesting point. How do sales teams adapt to this social media world? How do they get people's attention in social media with, with all the noise out there? Mm-hmm. Well, about 92% of emails are not being opened. <laughs> That's from HubSpot, which is a CRM. Uh, so, and I get so many every day. I'm, I know you must get a ton of emails every day. So email is not really the way to go right now. Uh, even, even if 8% are getting open, your success rate is not very high. So what do we do? The first thing we need to think about is the social presence of our company and the social presence of our sales reps underneath our brand. And, and the best way to think about that is I'll, I'll, I'll give you a scenario. I'm doing a sales meeting in Las Vegas. Uh, there's 70, you know, more 45 and older sales reps. And I asked everybody to stand up. I said, hey, how many? I, no, I didn't ask. I said, if you have a pic, if you have a LinkedIn page, please stand up. 70 people stood up. I said, if you have your picture on the LinkedIn page, keep standing. Seven people remain standing. I said, if you like the picture you have on the LinkedIn page, keep standing. One person kept standing. Right? <laughs> this was in March of 2020. And think about where does the millennial buyer go? They go to the LinkedIn page. That, that, they go to the website of the company. They may go to the LinkedIn page of the company and they go. And then if this Ed Wallace guy is going to talk to me, I want to check Ed Wallace out. And here they see Ed Wallace without a picture. They see Ed Wallace with, eh, you know, he's on LinkedIn because, you know, everybody is on LinkedIn. He has five connections. He doesn't post anything. He doesn't create any kind of industry knowledge. I think the biggest thing is we don't, you know, you're, you write a lot and you're, you're an expert in so many things. So you're, you're a thought leader. I'm, I'm almost a thought leader. Okay. I write a lot. It's easy for us, but think about it. For a sales rep, they're not really creating content. They, they, they've got to find some way to be perceived as an industry expert, as a business person. And I, I love to share this one fellow's LinkedIn page. Uh, my sales guy, John White, uh, if, the, if the audience would go out and look at John White at Achieve Next, check out what he does as a regular sales guy on LinkedIn. You'll see John creates his own 60-second videos talking about some aspect of sales development, or he shares something that some other thought leader in sales posted. Uh, when people go out to his site, he's got a wonderful presence. Let me so I think interrupt you there for a second. Give, sure. give, us, give us how we get to that. John White at Achieve. How does it read? I, I would just go to John White. When you go to LinkedIn, I don't know his exact address, right? But if you go, John, you go to LinkedIn, 
search John White Achieve Next. He'll come right up. Okay, perfect. I just right wanted up. to make sure, sure that people could could get there. Yep. Sorry to interrupt. Keep on yep. going because what you're what you're dealing with is is perfect. How do these salesmen become authors, content deliverers, mm-hmm. information transmitters when it's not nose to nose? It's an alien environment to them. Nobody's mm-hmm. taught them how to do this. And and don't undersell yourself because you know you're 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 changing people's lives. Your books have done that. Your stories about Max have done that. So how do we change the salesman to become more in tune? Keep keep trucking because branding is critical in this, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's a relationship mindset, not a sales mindset on LinkedIn. We are not going to sell anything on LinkedIn in most cases, right? Unless we're selling LinkedIn and we work for LinkedIn. But it's not about selling. It's about social presence. It's about creating. I, I like to put it this way. I like to help create a generation of salespeople who are business people masquerading as salespeople. I don't know. I'll, I'll say that again. I like to help create a generation of salespeople who are business people because business people like to talk to business people. They just happen to be a sales rep. And, and I think it's the reverse. Business people look at sales reps as sales reps, and 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 it's difficult. So it starts with a a LinkedIn profile, and it's and I always and we also uh, counsel our customers. You're not gonna you're not gonna convert your LinkedIn overnight. Go out and get a good picture. Feel good about yourself. <laughs> Put a picture out there that you like. Okay, then make sure your education and your background. Make sure they read well. Again, look at John's. I mean, you don't have to look anywhere else. Look at John White's, see what he does. Just copy it, right? Just copy what that guy does. In fact, you know what I do? What I do an awful lot, Ron, is I bring John onto my webinars and I bring him to training programs and he does a little half hour on LinkedIn. There are so many things in LinkedIn that even I don't know about. Let's say, let's say I'm holding a webinar, okay? And John wants to make sure people know about the webinar, but he only wants special people to get an invitation from him. There's actually a button on LinkedIn where you can click on, it's called uh, events, and you can send a personalized invitation to Ron and Ed and Charlie. And and it's literally a personalized invite. I'm sure you know about that. No, that's Um, important. But those are the kind of things that, and again, it doesn't happen overnight. So get started, get a good picture. Now, the other thing is, what are you posting? Well, we can't expect salespeople to have the time to, and again, I don't think a business owner wants to see his sales rep writing a blog. I, I don't know, I don't know that that's going to rub the sales VP or the business owner the right way, but find something Ron Slee publishes. I mean, you are an industry guru, right? You've got so much stuff on your website. They could go to your website and grab a month's worth of stuff every single day. Now, no more than three posts a week. That's kind of a good rule of thumb. Okay. And, and, um, but you don't have to create it. Just share it. Put some kind of comment on there. Now, when the millennial buyer looks for John White, ah, huh, this guy seems like he's pretty engaged in this industry. He goes to AED events. He posts information about, uh, you know, equipment and parts and different sales things. Now he has a little different impression before he gets on the Zoom with John. Now we get on the Zoom, okay? So John was able to, we'll keep using John White. So how does John distinguish himself in that Zoom call? Well, 
a background that is, oh, it doesn't have to be, you know, a power office, but a background that's authentic. I'm between my kitchen and my living, my family room right now, because it's the best place in the house for Wi-Fi, <laughs> quite frankly. And, and if I was in my office, it's darker. It looks, it looks a little more, you know, a little, a little too dark. So that's why I came up here. Uh, but an authentic background, uh, not just like the shadows and, you know, like your background's perfect, right? You see the sun coming through, you see the nice bookcase. Uh, so a decent background when you're going to do a Zoom meeting. You know, you don't have to be dressed in a, a suit and tie, but a quarter zip, something, a golf shirt, if it's the right time of the year, uh, it's, it's a casual situation. Um, and then start off with some really good questions. Uh, once you do, there might be some element of rapport building, but he, here's my, here's my $100 question. Okay. I give this to you and your audience for free. Okay. I invented this question. I see you smiling, right? So. How many times has a sales rep stereotyped themselves by asking the buyer, so what's keeping you up at night? <laughs> uh, like they really care. And, and the buyer's like, wait a minute, I met you five minutes ago and I'm going to tell you my deepest, darkest bad news about my business? Or, or where are your pain points in your business? And, and I kept, you know, I, I've trained 29,000 salespeople and counting, right? And I, I, I'm like, I got to change that question. So here's the new question. You tell me what you think. Um, so Ron, you know, 2020 was a challenging year for business owners, for sales teams. As you look back at 2020, what do you think was your biggest accomplishment? What do yeah. you think of that question? Yeah, no, it, it's a good one. I, I have a standard section of every class that I call five things. Hmm. And so I've got a room of 30, 35 people, and I say, fine, make a list of five things that you could do in your job that would improve your operations from the company perspective. Okay, take a few minutes. Second point, give me five things that you do that are real pain in the butt to do. And then... Give me five things that would really improve your life at work. And we get the lists up. We put it up on a flip chart. And guess what? All three lists have two or three things on them that are the same. Right. <laughs> and I say, folks, what's the matter with this? You know, if it's a pain in the butt and it would make your life better and it's good for the company, why don't you do it? <laughs> but you, you made a really powerful point a while back. And it applies to every job that we all have. We're all business people. We got pigeonholed into, I'm a clerk, I'm a salesman, I work the counter, I'm in IT, but we're all business people. And then I think this will resonate with you. A salesman, too often they get into this mode that we're presenting something. Right. I want them to position what it is that they want the customer to buy into the customer's business. Show the customer how it'll improve their business. And your question's perfect as opposed to what keeps you up at night? I'm sure I'm going to tell you that, you know. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to my question, but you made a point that I love to build off of to position it as to how it'll help their business. Did you know HubSpot again? They're my survey go-to right now, right? HubSpot published some data a few months ago, 
that a, a buyer, I'm just using buyer generically, okay? A buyer expects their vendor, their salesperson to understand, uh, they, they, 85% of buyers expect the salesperson to understand their business. Yep. Yep. And how whatever it is they have to sell them is going to help their business. About 13% of salespeople actually approach it that way. So the $100 question is over the last year, it was a challenging year for everyone. Tell me what you think your greatest accomplishment. The first thing that does, Ron, is it gets people thinking positively. And they're, now they're sharing happy thoughts with this stranger versus Oh, how would I cover up how my business is struggling? Or so we get them in a positive state. It's not a manipulation. It's a it's an aspect of worthy intentions. We want to have a, a a good conversation, right? So then, let's say you say, "Oh my gosh, you know, that's interesting. You know, we we switched everything to online, uh, and now you're going to tell me about learning learning without scars, right? And you're going to tell me how you changed everything online and how you have all these courses online now. How people are are, are, are glomming onto it, how you're doing these blogs, how you have your daughter involved in the process, which is even better. And now you're in this happy state. And then I ask another question. Well, tell me more. Sure. And now you tell me more. Sure. And I ask you another question. Well, why is that? And now you tell me more. And then I'll say, is there anything else? I call it ask, 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 tell. And then you get to some kind of connection to what you might do. But before you get to the connection, you ask one more question. You ask them, what do you think might slow that momentum down in 2021? Yeah. Yeah. And then, so it's such a nice, easy flow. now, 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 if I'm on that conversation, I haven't really had one like that in a while with the sales rep. So hopefully some of those, that emotional, you know, stereotype is starting to meld away. It's not going to meld away. But remember, they probably checked you out on LinkedIn. You had a strong LinkedIn presence. You posted some things. You look pretty good. During the conversation, you didn't ask them what's keeping them up at night. You didn't talk about the picture of their family behind them. You, you went, you, you, you did some report of business at a higher level. And then you got into why you were there. And then you were able to uh, cite a value statement. Like, let's say you said, well, geez, you know, I've been working with this vendor for all these years. We're really comfortable. Why should we switch? Here's your next $100 uh, gift, right? Um, a value statement is the, is the most powerful thing a sales rep can have, yet they stumble over them all the time. And they'll start talking about how big their company is or how many clients they have or we're the first at this or the second at that. And ultimately, it's really a clear statement through the eyes of that buyer that creates a benefit. Three things, clear statement, not a, not sentences, a statement through the eyes of the buyer, meaning talk to them first, and a benefit goes up, down, or eliminates. A benefit has three verbs. It increases something, it decreases something, eliminates something. So here's our value statement in our sales training business. Let's pretend you're a VP of sales. Let's pretend I blew you away with my LinkedIn presence. I blew you away with my $100 question. And you love this guy. You want to do business with me, but you have this other vendor you really like. And you say, you know, why should I work with you? Here's what we say. Well, Ron, we help you increase sales through a strategic focus on relationships. That's it. 
The only thing you heard was increased sales. <laughs> Hopefully that, that's probably, if that's what you're talking to me about. And then, and then if, if we got that right, then your next statement should be, how do you do that? Exactly. You know, you, you know, you got their attention when they say, how do you guys do that? It's like you're being an attorney. You don't ask a question that you don't know the answer to before you ask the question. And one exactly. of the things I want to emphasize to people that are listening to this is that go back to Ed asking the questions. He tailgated a series of questions. Every single one of them was open-ended. Mm-hmm. You can't answer those things yes or no. You've got to give me a story. You've got to talk. And that's really what we're trying to do. And, you know, if you think about a cocktail party, I hate those darn things but a group of people assembling, they will think you're a wonderful conversationalist if you know how to listen. Mm-hmm. If you just shut your face and listen and pay attention to what the other person, so many salesmen, and you can see it in their eyes, they're not listening to you anymore. They're thinking about what they're going to say next. I do this in every class. I go up to somebody that I've caught checking out, and everybody checks out, but I... I just go right up close to them because I wander around the room, say, Ed, what did I just say? And they don't know. They start dancing. It's not fair, but now all of a sudden I'm conditioning the room. Pay attention to this guy because he might be in my face next saying, what did I just say? When I started teaching, I used to throw chalk up and down. There was a weatherman in Montreal by the name of Percy Salzman, and he had a big piece of chalk. And, of course, I'm dealing with blackboards in the 1800s, right? And this stuff was easy to erase. But in every single classroom, and I had a long, skinny classroom, might be 40 or 50 students in there. This is a university. And I would hit somebody with the chalk. I'd be in jail today. I couldn't do that today. But from that point forward, they were always watching me as I'm running through the room with this chalk in mind. Nobody was missing a, a, a skip. And it's the same thing with a salesman. I want to catch the customer's attention to the point that they're going to believe that I'm going to provide value that's going to benefit them. And I don't know that going in unless I ask those questions. And that's why we're building relationships and not selling stuff. Precisely. Precisely. It's a relationship building mindset, not a sales mindset. So let's flip out now for a second. This is, we talked about LinkedIn. This podcast Mm -hmm. goes to about 20 different vehicles. It's on Mm -hmm. iHeartRadio. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple, blah, 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 blah. The blogs, we focus on Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, and then use Google Analytics. You made a point in the last section of sending out three a week. That's precisely what we found from statistics. We were sending things out every day, skipping mm-hmm. Wednesday, didn't change the dynamics. So we went to Tuesday night. We looked at when the least amount of traffic was on our site. It was Tuesday at 6 p.m. California time. So my daughter posts three blogs Tuesday at 6 p.m. We have, I don't know what it is, 64, 6,500 followers on LinkedIn that are going to hopefully see this. And we get 1,500 hits a week. Wow. By putting those three together versus Mm -hmm. 150 to 200 a day. It's So so salespeople have to have a, a resource that helps them understand what they need to change, how they adapt to the reality of their group of people. And, and, and they, they won't have the sophistication. They can, but they're not going to have the sophistication that you've got. But they can look at number of likes, number of shares. There's things they can look at 
on their posts that tell them this really struck a nerve. Yep. Uh, and yep. then, and, and you know, the other thing that I was thinking of is, as you were saying that, when I'm talking about, it doesn't have to be virtual. It can be in person. It's the same. It's the same, right? It, so, so the principles of relational capital, credibility, integrity, authenticity, worthy intent, uh, you know, putting the other person first and seeing behavior that validates that. And the third one is relational GPS, understanding the goals, passions, and struggles. I know you know all these concepts because you've posted all that stuff, right? But it's perfect. It's perfect that you bring it up here. They all work the same. And then, so now we're still in the meeting. You just extended the meeting time because this rep is amazing. <laughs> You're amazed, right? What do you do next? Well, now you qualify. You qualify, Ron. And again, I'm going to give you another simple acronym. It's called BANT, B-A-N-T. And I don't, I, I, one of my, one of our sales coaches, I, I give him full credit for this. His name is Mark Allen Roberts. There's another guy to look up, Mark Allen Roberts on LinkedIn. Yeah. If you want to see yeah. some great posting on sales stuff, Mark Allen Roberts. Hey, Mark's a good friend of mine, works with me all the time with customers. And Mark said, hey, you know, the qualification is, is BANT, budget, authority, need, and time. So here's, here, here's, here's, so, so when I'm asking you about budget, I, I don't come out and say, do you have any budget for this? Uh, you know, we're talking about a solution now. You might want to ask that question, Ron. So, you know, how does the company normally budget for things like this? And, you know, is there some element in your budget for this or will we need to build a business case together? Oh, this guy's going to help me rationalize. That's that's the one on budget. The second one, authority. I, you don't want to ask Ron if he's the yeah, – Ron, I don't want to ask you if you're the decision maker. I know in your business you are, right? But you don't want to ask, hey, are you the decision maker? Uh, almost like you're going to walk right over this relationship you just spent time with. It might be something like, uh, you know, I work with a lot of companies in your industry, and generally there's there's multiple people that are involved in the decision. You know, how does that work here? What's the decision-making process here? Now you're not insulting the person. The third one is need. Have we clearly, do we clearly understand their needs? And that's where I talk about the ask, 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 tell, all that kind of stuff. And the last one is timeline. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? Um, you know, so what, when do you think a project like this might kick off? Oh, well, 2023. Oh, <laughs> see ya, right? Would you believe though that I, I know you believe it, but when we do pipeline analysis with our customers, and we just ask them, we ask the reps to do BANT, that simple acronym. Most of the time, what they're forecasting, they don't even have two of the four checked off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so, so go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, this is, this is the same thing right back to the beginning of time, isn't it? <laughs> the, the, um, John Cleese has a whole series, you're probably familiar with them, of training films. Part of a thing, company called Video Arts. He was a clever man. He sold the business twice. He only created it once. But uh, he he has a series of films on professional selling, and it's um, you know one of the lines he uses is, uh, "Is there somebody else that we should bring into this that uh, would would help you make the decision?" And and you know find things that you're comfortable with because mm -hmm. you got to get answers to those four points. Band is important. Yep. You know, 
have you got yeah. the money to do that? You know, this is a wonderful thing. It's going to cost you a million bucks and it'll generate 50 grand worth of additional profit. See ya. <laughs> you know, are you the guy? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just the, the, the doorman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to talk to somebody today and you were the first one that walked in. <laughs> yeah. But your point is perfect that because this is a two dimensional world, the screen and you and I versus a three dimensional world out there, don't change how you do things. It's the same. And let your authenticity come through. You talked about listening before. We we need we you know, authentic list or not empathic listening or active listening. They call it different things. It's listening to understand, not to talk next. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what, yeah. So, the, the you know there's there's the old management deal. Everybody has to understand what it is we're trying to do, and this is the same thing for a businessman who's happening to happening to sell something. But the buyer and the seller need to understand what they're trying to do. Then they're going to have a debate. And 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 that's the phase that most people miss. It's called acceptance. Mm-hmm. That we accept that this is the right thing to do. And if as a salesman, and I love to call them peddlers, because you go back a couple hundred years, there's some wonderful stories, books mm-hmm. on grocers with their cart taking their fresh produce out in the morning and selling it on the street to the lady coming out of her kitchen. It's it's so I've got to understand what I'm trying to do. The mm-hmm. the customer's got to understand what I'm trying to do, which means that the salesman's got to understand their buyers, what I call buyers needs, their mm-hmm. wants and their needs. And then we're going to have a discussion about acceptance. And that's where the difficulty, that's where your questions mm-hmm. often all of the edges of that difficulty. One thing, they make it an easy discussion, and, and you want to ask the questions with, with I don't want to say the word finesse. You want to ask the questions less directly, so that you don't offend the person. <clears throat> like bringing, you know, who else? You know, are, 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 is there a committee that makes these decisions? Tell me about your decision making process. It's easier to defer to process, and it doesn't bring people into it as exactly. much. And they're going to tell you, "Oh, my boss and his boss and." And a couple of the, the plant managers are going to be involved. Okay. And you're going to be involved too. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to, you know, we do as this committee. Well, what do we, what's our next step to, you know, and then you ask, and, and one of the things that we're finding is asking about the buying process today, Ron, is such a great question because everybody has different, a new buying processes. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, Hey, during the pandemic, how have your buying processes changed? What is your buying process here? And they just riff on and on and on about it. So, yeah, it's rather remarkable. How, um, what do you think of this process of a chat between two people, seemingly with no goal other than transference of information? Is this a vehicle that you think would be beneficial in this new world? I think we just did it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. <laughs> so, you know, we, we we spend a, a little bit of time talking about odds and sods, and I hope we're going to be able to do this again in another month or so. But what? How would you wrap this up? Well, first thing I, I I would think about the 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 mindset and skills to to build relationships and sell virtually. I, I would call it that. And the mindset starts with I mentioned a couple of times, um, but I'm going to add to the list now. 
uh, a relationship building mindset and not a sales mindset. Uh, The sales comes, you know, we like to have them buy. We don't want to have to sell. So we want to start with a relationship. I'll start a lot of conversations off with, hey, Ron, you know, please don't feel there's no sales pitch today. I'm usually on with my sales guy or my sales team. So I'll say, look, hey, this is we're in the relationship business. We're not here to pitch you on anything. We're here to have a conversation, launch the relationship. So no pressure. Nobody's going to say, when can we get started? So that usually, you know, dis- disarms any defensive buyers. The second one is the sales rep has to understand they're the value proposition for the business. They're a living and, bre- and breathing value proposition. And, and the business has a brand and everything, but they're talking to Ed Wallace right now. And they're assessing Ed Wallace emotionally. They're saying he's got too much gel in his hair. They may not like his glasses. His quarter zip isn't straight. That's the first thing they're doing. They're emotionally assessing the the person in front of them. So we've got to overcome that. And we overcome that with business-like questions. And we, we change the persona that they're thinking. Okay. So that's the second thing. The third thing is um, how do we how do we get to a point where they're looking at us that we're credible. Credibility comes from asking great questions. Until you're deemed believable, which is credibility, there's no way they can trust you. And if they don't trust you, they don't ask you to do stuff together. So think about behaviorally. So those are the three things, right? Think behaviorally. Ron extended the meeting. The buyer uh, shared more information with me. The buyer brought somebody else into our, our Zoom. They, 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 they brought somebody else into that call somehow. Those are the things that you want to observe that say, hey, you know what? There's some, there's something, there's something going on here. And they make a commitment to another meeting. So uh, a, a relationship mindset, you're the value proposition, which means you've got to be buttoned up on LinkedIn and everywhere else uh, in the way you conduct the interaction. And the third one is becoming believable, uh, because until we're deemed believable, we really can't have much of a business relationship. How's that for a wrap up? That's pretty good. I think the fundamental is trust. Yeah, I got to trust you. It's um, it, it's an interesting thing. You know, we we look at six different steps in the sales process. Preparation being one that most people don't pay attention to, and that's that's understanding the the customer. It's understanding your product and understanding the relationship that your customer has with your business, and. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of salesmen take shortcuts and behavior is, is part of the calling card. Um, I used to always portray myself in the classroom as I had to be a chameleon. I had mm-hmm. to be what my student wanted me to be. And it's funny. I modeled myself on the guy that hired me at McGill. His name was Tommy Thompson. He taught me grade nine health boys only girls had a different teacher, different subject matter. But, you know, in, in those days, this is the 1700s, and, and he's talking, this is a, an acronym for health, for sex education, right? Right. And you got 15-year-old guys, 14-year-old guys, whatever the heck it is, and oh, yeah, go away. And Tommy used to screw up his face. He'd make different voices. He'd, he'd slouch around. He'd do all manner of things to get us not to be thinking about the content the subject matter, but listening to what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, sex, I know that. You know, every father takes you out into the back room and says, you know, do you, do you understand about sex? 
And I, I think almost every teenage boy is embarrassed and they'll say yes. And they haven't got a clue. And, and Tommy was addressing that particular subject, like Percy Salzman throwing his chalk. What mm-hmm. do I need to do to get your attention? What do you want me to be for you mm-hmm. to like me, for you to trust me? Oh, from you to buy from me. And like you say, the really good salesman doesn't sell a thing the customer buys. Mm-hmm. And that's magic. I think this has been a, a, a beneficial period of time, Ed, and I hope we can do this again in the future. This 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 approach that you espouse and what you've written about in your books, you might want to plug your book or books, but um, thank you very much. This has been Mahalo. This has been very beneficial. Mahalo, and uh, people, who look, people can look me up on LinkedIn. They can find out about my books and everything. Just Ed Wallace, 007. At, on Achieve Next, that if you look at, if you put in Ed Wallace 007, believe it or not, that's my call number on LinkedIn. So yeah. uh, great being with you, Ron. And it, you know, we will definitely do more. Just let me know. And uh, great to see you. And and I'm glad you're doing so well through all the challenges we all have. You and your wife and your family. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you, Ed, and everybody who's listening. Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your support. Should you have any thoughts or comments, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.learningwithoutscars.com. The time is now. Mahalo.